Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. I am Joey Powell. With me, as always, Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran. A happy Easter Sunday to those of you who celebrate. Those of you who don't, happy Sunday to you. Appreciate you joining us here. Sean was talking before we started recording tonight. A lot has happened since the last time we did a Coast to Coast, so we felt like tonight we needed to bring you guys what we could bring uh, because the Tar Heels are now looking for a new head man in the big chair. And as Sherelle and Sean and I sit here on Sunday evening, the 4th of April, uh, Inside Carolina has been able to whittle it down to about five candidates. And Greg Barnes listed those five on the Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards. And what we thought we would do is break down the pluses and minuses of what these five candidates would be bringing to North Carolina. And I want to share again, we don't have, the three of us have no inside information as to who might be leading this. Uh, I think everybody has their opinion as to probably who's going to get the job, but Bubba Cunningham and Chancellor Guskowitz are playing this incredibly close to the vest, and I don't think that's a bad thing for Tar Heel Nation. Um, I know a lot of message board posters want information, they want up-to-date stuff, but inside Carolina, we're not going to report things unless we can confirm them. But what we can confirm is that there are at least five names that uh, Greg Barnes feels comfortable reporting and sharing with you. We're going to break all those down right now. Uh, those five, in no particular order, are Hubert Davis, who is an assistant coach at North Carolina, has been with North Carolina for nine years after leaving uh, the desk at ESPN College Game Day. He's been there uh, since then, has no prior head coaching experience, but has been coaching the UNC JV team for a few years. Uh, had a had a good pro career. Played for uh, the Knicks. Who else did he play for? Y'all remember? Played for the Wizards at the end. I remember that. <laughs> all right, Sherelle, anybody I, else? I remember that. I remember the Knicks. That's pretty much all. Okay. I remember. Yeah, I felt like he was. He was. Um, he may have been a career <clears throat> Nick, but Sean corrected me there. So that's Hubert Davis. Um, was also a, a Dean Smith uh, recruit and player. Uh, by the way, I need to throw that out there. Wes Miller, who played for Coach Roy Williams uh, early on in Roy's tenure at North Carolina, played. For for James Madison then transferred to North Carolina because he wanted to be a coach after he got done playing. And uh, since then, he has been, I believe, an assistant at Elon, uh, an assistant at UNCG, and the head coach at UNCG. Am I missing any stops there, Sherelle? I don't think so, no. All right. Um, Wes Miller has had a fairly good record since he's been at, um, at UNCG. He did get them to, what, one or two tournament appearances? I don't have notes in front of me. so I, two. two tournament appearances, thank you. And um, has, has done fairly well with that program. They've been very consistent. Uh, and I, I do think there are reasons to, you know, to like him. And we'll get into those in a few, uh, few moments. Speaking of a few moments, uh, Mark Few, who actually has his undefeated Gonzaga Bulldogs in tomorrow night's national championship game. Mark Few's name has been mentioned. Uh, he is linked with the search 
for whatever reason. Um, Mark Few has been at Gonzaga for quite some time. Uh, I think since the late 80s, uh, again, they are attempting to become the first team since Indiana uh, in 76 to go undefeated and win the national championship. So they will play Baylor tomorrow night. Uh, that's Gonzaga. Uh, and Gonzaga, you may remember, North Carolina beat them in the title in 2017. They've been successful, but they've played in the West Coast Conference uh, forever. You don't really get to see them that often just because they play so late. Brad Stevens, former Butler coach, took Butler to the national championship game in 2015. Uh, had them fairly successful on an annual basis, left and has been with the Boston Celtics for about the last five years, I believe. Uh, Brad Stevens is a young guy, uh, is from Indiana. Uh, I believe his wife is on the board of regents at Butler. Um, but Brad has plenty of ties to, the, to Indiana as a state and Indiana basketball, current coach of the Celtics. And the final one uh, that Greg mentioned that there has been some interest. I have no idea how far they've proceeded, but Greg feels like there hasn't been a lot of uh, post-discussion outside of initial interest is Villanova's Jay Wright. Uh, Jay Wright, been at Villanova for quite some time, uh, was a disciple of uh, Raleigh Massimino, if my memory serves, has won two championships, including one in uh, 2016. The North Carolina fans will never be able to get out of their seared memories. And then won the one in 2018, has turned Villanova into a national contender. Uh, so, boys, before we start breaking this down, I want to make sure everybody takes a second to rate and review us. We appreciate you here on the Coast to Coast podcast and all of InsideCarolina.com stuff. If you had not subscribed, make sure you can subscribe. Uh, you'll get to see all this content. Right now, the staff at IC, um, Sherelle, I don't know he has slept. Uh, ben Sherman has not slept. Greg Barnes <laughs> has not slept. Um it just all of the the people that are churning out content, Ross and Gregory, and you know a, a lot of these guys have been really putting in the hours. So if you are not a subscriber, a premium subscriber to Inside Carolina right now, you're an idiot. You're missing out. Like I, I, I may sound harsh, but if you're listening to this podcast, you need to go ahead and fork over uh, the money, sign up, get that premium access. Uh, premium access also gets you an extra ten percent off of Johnny T-shirt. We appreciate them sponsoring the show. But yeah, rate, review, subscribe, then subscribe to premium content from Inside Carolina, InsideCarolina.com, and then support Johnny T-shirt. We'll get to Johnny T more in a little bit. All right, Sherelle, I'm going to start with you. Uh, let's start first um, with Mark Few, and I want to see kind of what your thoughts are on how he may fit with North Carolina. And then, Sean, I'm going to let you um, sprinkle in kind of the same analysis and, and where you feel like his style of play uh, may or may not fit with with the culture at North Carolina. Sure, let's start. Mark Few. Uh, I think if you're handicapping this, as far as like who would be the absolute best uh, hire when it comes to coaching acumen, when it comes to winning experience, and when it comes to embracing the Carolina culture, including style play, I think Mark Few is clearly number one. Um, obviously he's got his team playing for a national championship, uh, later tonight. Um, and you know, could be the first in school history. He's been there before, uh, Isaiah Hicks and, and Theo Pinson and, uh, Joel Berry had other ideas, but, uh, I think he's an excellent coach. And now the thing is, um, you know, before he was kind of getting it done with, you know, players from overseas and, and some development, which he still does, but now he is recruiting at a level in which schools like North Carolina and Duke and Kentucky and Kansas typically recruit. I mean, Hunter Salas was North Carolina's number one target mm -hmm. for a good amount of time, and he he got him. And he's in there with, you know, Chet Holmgren. Holmgren. Uh, he just got Jalen Suggs. Um, Drew Timmy, while not a top 10 type player, was a top 30 uh, player. So he's able to get talent. And <clears throat> I think um, 
when you add that with the winning experience and then just the style of play is so much fun to watch. Uh, to me, uh, probably more than I realized style of play, I, I think is important for, you know, the team that you cover or, or you know, the team for listeners that you root for. Um, I, I think it's a bigger deal than maybe I, I thought before. So few definitely has style of play. Uh, he has, he has everything to me. I, I think he's, he would be, you know, slam duck home run. I don't know anyone who would say, you know, that's not a great hire or uh, what is North Carolina doing? Like, I think that would be consensus, just a great hire. There's a certain amount of flex that would come to with North Carolina taking a coach who had just coached in a national championship game like they did in 2003. Uh, I know this is different because, you know, Mark Few is not a North Carolina alum. Uh, he did play at Oregon. He has only coached at Gonzaga, and I think it's important to remember. Uh, he was a, a GA there, an assistant coach there, and has been a coach there, but has amassed a 627 and 124 record so, while he's well, out there. So he, he's only he, – he didn't have any head coaching experience before he got the Gonzaga job? Is that what you're saying? That's weird, man. Yeah, that's okay. a great point by you. It's funny that you stuck with that. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Okay, thanks for bringing that up. Sean, <laughs> uh, you're a lot closer geographically to Mark Few, so I'm going to assume that you've already <laughs> spoken with his people. Um, but since that's just a brutal assumption and we're not going to actually go any farther with that because people might take us for serious here, uh, tell me, how do you feel about you know the style of play? Because to me, it looks a little familiar to what North Carolina tries to do starting with, you know, with uh, inside-out basketball. Well, last time I saw Mark Few, we were, we were crossing paths. It was, uh, just a side note, Brandon Williams, uh, he had decommitted from Arizona. It was a hot name for a few weeks. And I got to the game late with California traffic, and uh, Coach Few was leaving as I got there. So he obviously saw what he needed to see, and well, it wasn't much of, of uh, in terms of <laughs> offering Brandon, Brandon Williams. So... Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of just strictly style of play, I mean, right, right now they're playing at the fat, I think the fourth fastest tempo in the country. Um, and that has steadily increased for them over the past few years. Um, so once again, you're getting at least lately an up-tempo style and, and it's, you look at Ken Palm and it's, it's really, you know, trended up. Uh, but I think more importantly is the offensive efficiency. They've been ranked number one the past three years. And that's really with three years of, of turnover you know yeah last year I think the question was their bigs are legit enough to win a championship but do they have the guards and you look at their guards they're led by uh, probably not many people can can name the two but Ryan Woolridge who was a transfer from North Texas and then uh Admon Gilder who was a transfer from Texas A&M yep um who I think had a decent game against Carolina in the <laughs> the tournament but you know those two aren't get, you know they're not huge names and, and now all of a sudden you have Jalen Suggs who obviously is a top top three pick but you know offensively defensively um they're they're fun to watch they play at a, a high pace they've been able to uh really you know you look at what they've been able to do since the title game and they've had high turnover with some um you know you look at Clark and Hachimura so they've been able to produce draft picks but they've also you know, I think with them, they've been ahead of the transfer game. So like right now, you know, we, we, we can talk about the transfer portal, but that's where everybody is right now. But they've been living in that transfer world where it, whether it's been sitting guys for a year, uh, like, uh, like Clark, Brandon Clark, or, you know, having the grad transfer guys that are coming in um, and playing immediately. And they've been doing that at a high level the last few years to keep Gonzaga playing at a high level. Um, so I think, you know, you have, you have that a little bit. And, and once again, I think a big part also is Tommy Lloyd, Gonzaga's top assistant, 
he's been the one that's been in the international waters. He's been the one um, that I think has been able to kind of initiate some of these high level uh, recruiting conversations lately. Um, and I would imagine if Mark Fee were to leave, he'd probably be the, you know, he'd probably be the first in line for the Gonzaga job. Um, and then yeah, we're, we're, you're already getting deep into the uh, musical chairs, huh? <laughs> um, but then, you know, I think when you're watching, you know, during the games, Mark Few is great at making adjustments, great at kind of adapting on the fly. Uh, you know, I think the, the, the main question is, you know, why would he want to leave such a great situation he's put himself in, in the Pacific Northwest, for the most part, he's been able to dominate the West Coast, um, even with the Pac-12. Um, and he's been, you know, kind of first, first in the international waters, really f- not first, but kind of up there in the transfers. And now they kind of have been playing the one and done game. They're new at it, but they've been playing it well, obviously with, with Suggs. But as, as we know, you know, one, one miss and you could be in a lot of hot water. But um, I, I agree with Sherelle. If we're just looking stylistically and based on what they've done, at least lately, you know, you couldn't really complain about what Mark Few has put together. Yeah. And something I, first off, Sean, I appreciate the, the personnel angle of that. I think a lot of people uh, have underestimated what Few's been able to do, not just recruiting to a West Coast Conference school, to a team in Spokane, Washington, um, you know, to a Jesuit school. Like I, that's, there's a lot of nuance there that I think he's done really well at. But I love that you brought in the international and the transfer uh, piece of that because it's been, it, it's been a huge portion of what's made them so consistently successful uh, over these last however many years. Guys, I want to ask you both a question here. Um, instead of just kind of looking at uh, kind of a, a high-level analysis, do you think that few and his success would carry over into the ACC? And, you know, Sean, I think you make a great point about, you know, why would he leave Gonzaga? And, and some of the people that are, I guess, devil's advocates or proponents of why he would leave suggest the competition and the step up in competition of being able to uh, play against, you know, the best in college basketball night in and night out. And I, I want to say, do you feel like that would trans- translate to the ACC fairly well? Well, I mean, I, I think the ACC has a far ways to go to get back to uh, that that level. But um, in terms of, I do think it would transfer. I mean, once again, I think the big question really with any of these coaches uh, that we're going to talk about is recruiting. Um, I think right now Mark Fuse recruiting at the highest level there is, but um, I think it's also been, they've been able to focus on one to two, you know, one to two players. And once again, Hunter Salas, they were in earlier than Carolina on Hunter. Um, They got him to come to campus uh, before everything shut down. So I I do think it can translate. Um, I think, you know, once again, he's kind of a big name, um, which would even get even bigger. I think with, you know, the Carolina blue, you know, when he's going into a gym with, with Carolina on his shirt. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I do think it would definitely be an adjustment period in terms of, they have a very, you know, the, the machine is running at full speed and he would have to, you know, the, the, it's not running full speed right now at, at Carolina. So he would have to get it, get it going. I think he could do that, but I think there would still be some, some adjustments. Sherelle, does the uh, 58 years old, does that age bother you for Mark Few? Not particularly um, <clears throat> because I think the days or, or I, 
I'll say that for when we talk about another candidate. But I think the days mostly of, you know, staying at a school for 25, 30 years are pretty much over right. uh, just because of how the college landscape has changed, uh, because the NBA is, is just so hot right now, um, because they can offer more money. And a lot of times guys like to take the leap because, frankly, recruiting for most folks is not fun. And that was one of the things that I think kept Roy Williams going is that he actually enjoyed recruiting. So if, if, you know, recruiting gets old for you or uh, you tire of it, I I just don't know um, if it's, if you want to stay in that grind for 20, 25, 30 years anymore, just because recruiting is is so much more than it was, you know, say, you know, back in 2000. Um, So that doesn't bother me because I I said all that to say, you know, 58, if you can get, a good 10 to 12 years out of someone like Mark View, you take it and you figure things out yeah. in 2030 or 2031 or whatever. Um, so that the age isn't really a concern. Um, and I had to throw that out there. It was something I've, I feel like has been a talking point for a lot of folks. Um, okay, so I want to take a second. And before we start getting to the other four candidates, I want to take a second and give a shout out to Johnny T-Shirt. Uh, Johnny T-Shirt has absolutely been uh, huge supporters of Inside Carolina. And all of the content that Inside Carolina puts out right now, you might be looking for, um, you know, some new Carolina gear. You might be all in your feelings because of Roy Williams retirement. You want to go buy some commemorative stuff. Go to johnnytshirt.com, hit them up, take care of them. If you don't like basketball, I don't really know why you'd be listening to this, but you can get non-basketball gear from Johnny T. Uh, top-notch stuff, Jordan brand, Nike, Columbia, whatever you want. Johnny T-shirt is your place for it. Hit them up. Use your premium Inside Carolina subscription that you just got because we mentioned it earlier. Get your extra 10% off of their already really low, extremely competitive prices. And then swag out with your new stuff. All right. We appreciate Johnny T-shirt. Take a quick second. Let some national guys run some ads in here. We'll come right back, talk about the other four candidates on the list of potential replacements for Roy Williams, who vacates the big chair at North Carolina's basketball program. Hang tight. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, talk about the next candidate of the five that Greg Barnes has identified as being uh, a part of the North Carolina candidate pool for Roy Williams' replacement. Uh, boys, I mentioned Brad Stevens earlier, and I got some dates jacked up. This is why you should actually write your show prep down instead of reading. Uh, I said that he coached Butler to the 2015 uh, National Championship game. That was incorrect. Um, Duke actually won the title in 2015 against Wisconsin. Butler was against them in 2010, which, holy Lord, how old are we? Um, Brad Stevens uh, played at DePaul University, D-E-P-A-U-W, not DePaul. 
Um, 44 years old, still a very spry guy, uh, was an assistant at Butler, but then had only been an assistant at Butler before he became the head coach at Butler. Hmm. Uh, coached Butler from 27, 20, 2007 to 2013 and has been with the Celtics since then. So I got some dates mixed up. Forgive me, guys. Uh, you know, Maybe John can do some editing to make me not sound so much like a buffoon at the beginning of the show. Uh, same thing I want you to come back with, Sean, about your know, personnel, Brad Stevens. And I think a lot of people got really enamored with what he did at Butler because they'd never heard of Butler before. But if you wouldn't mind, share a little bit of insight as to how he works with his style of coaching and what t- sort of players he might bring to North Carolina just based on his college experience. Cause I don't think he can bring guys from the NBA back to Chapel Hill. No, I mean, no, unfortunately <laughs> can't bring uh, Jalen Brown to, to Chapel Hill, but you know, it, just looking at his, his Butler career, you know, it was, it was six years, 2008 to 2013. And obviously the hanging, hanging his hat on the two, you know, two championship games, which, once again, for Butler, and this is really before they were even in the you know Big East. So what he did was pretty remarkable. Right. Uh, but I think when you look at whether it's tempo or offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, nothing's really going to stand out. I mean, they, they played at a at a slower pace. Um, you know, even kind of in the in the two hundred. So from a stylistic up and down, you weren't going to get that. But I think what you you know obviously what got into the Celtics was his in-game coaching, his, you know, his, his, his sets, his plays, um, being able to attack matchups. You know, I, I still remember that the, uh, the the Duke game, the championship game where they went, went inside against Zubac the first two possessions and, you know, the big guy just missed it, but they were looking to attack him. Um, and they, you know, similar to watching the UCLA Gonzaga game with Cronin of looking to attack mismatches. Um, so I think that's what, drew the eye of Danny Ainge. Um, and then, you know, you look at, at Boston, uh, and I just went back, uh, I was looking at more of the stats from last year and there's nothing, you know, in terms of pace, they were middle of the pack, um, you know, offensive efficiency, they're near the top of the league defensive, you know, not, not doing as, as hot, but I think once again, you, you, you've seen on the message boards leading up to Roy's retirement of, uh, you know, really need to adapt to more of an NBA style, right? And obviously, if you have a coach coming from the NBA, he's, he knows how to do that. Um, so I think from a style perspective, it's not going to be the up and down, not saying that he wouldn't be able to adjust, but I think it would, from a style perspective, it's going to be, you know, really utilizing the strengths of the players, um, being very well prepared for the opponent. I still remember the, the game in Maui when UNC played Butler and you know, Butler played hard and they knew and they were very well prepared for that game. Um, you know, once again, the big question, you know, not not the same question as Mark Few, but you have what everybody called Boy Wonder when he went to the Celtics for mm-hmm. his coaching acumen. But now it comes to recruiting a Butler. He wasn't, re- you know, he obviously got Gordon Hayward and he, saw, he kind of identified talent, but he wasn't recruiting, you know, the top 20, 30, 40, 50 guys like you need to be doing at Carolina. Um, you know, I think once again, it's, we're entering a different world in recruiting where we talked about maybe it's really the 20 to 50 guys and identifying the right ones. And I think he can put the time and identify, you know, the right ones. But once again, everybody has their question marks. There's no Roy Williams kind of waiting in the wings. And I think that's the biggest question mark is that, you know, recruiting at that, that top tier level. 
Yeah, we talked about that on Inside Carolina Live uh, with Tommy Ashley and I yesterday on WCHL at 10 a.m., which all of you should be checking out. Um, Sherelle, would that change if Brad Stevens came to North Carolina? Do you think he would play more of an up-tempo style than he played at Butler just because of uh, the different types of players he may be able to get? Or you still think he would uh, just kind of lean on that in-game, recognize where your mismatches are, play to that based on you know your athletes? Yeah, I'd be surprised if he changed because I, I think once you become a head coach and uh, you develop your style that you kind of stick with that. Obviously, uh, you know, I always talk about tweaking. <clears throat> I think you can tweak it and, and add variations to it, but typically you are who you are at your core. And I think Stevens has shown, you know, he's one of the best X's and O's people in the business. I think everybody says that. Um, I do think the mythology of Brad Stevens has grown over the years um, because of those back-to-back <laughs> yes. -back national championship games. And I do think from a Carolina perspective, the fan base, um, because it was against Duke, you know, I think that adds a little something to it for, yeah. for the fan base. I'm not saying he wouldn't come in were he to be the hire and do a great job. Um, but he is not, to me, he is not as perfect as a candidate as Mark Few. There, there are a few more question marks with, Brad Stevens, I know people are going to get on me for saying that, but to Sean's point, you know, the, the recruiting thing, um, you know, he, he, he recruited at Butler. It's just a little bit different uh, than recruiting at North Carolina. Not only that, he hasn't recruited in almost nine years. Yeah. Um, and everything has changed over the last eight or nine years. And then uh, I, I would wonder how his NBA sensibilities would mesh with, um, you know, kind of college styles where you have to play, different styles every night you know in the nba typically you know you know what you're going to see most of the time like they'll you know throw in the little you know something here or there but typically you know what guys are going to run it's just you know can you stop it because one team has a better player uh, that's kind of where that is <clears throat> but you know how will he how will he match up against different styles of play i, I think is a, a question mark and again i'm not i'm being very nitpicky because sure, sure. he would be an, a, a great hire for north carolina let's i don't want to sound like I'm, I'm poo-pooing him at all, but, um, and you talk about flex. I mean, that would be the ultimate flex of North Carolina hiring away um, a, a person that another school thinks they're going to hire in a year yeah. away from, you know, <laughs> the first or second greatest NBA franchise, depending upon who you ask, um, in, you know, in NBA history. So that, that would be a huge flex for them for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think he would be, a, you know, a, a great hire, but I do think there are a couple of question marks there. I think North Carolina fans uh, have a little bit of a kick dog syndrome for obvious reasons. Um, a lot of it has to do with, uh, with what's happened in football. Um, you know, I think the, the, the Guthrie's to Doherty transition is, has got a little folks really on edge about this because they were spoiled by the way that North Carolina was able to bring in Roy Williams to kind of extend the Dean Smith era. And I think that kick don't that kick dog syndrome could be problematic with a guy like Brad Stevens because you still feel like he would always have an eye back on the NBA, and that's something I think a lot of uh, Tar Heel fans would probably struggle with even after the uh, elation of bringing a guy like Stevens in uh, were to wear off. Um, next guy, and and I want to again throw this out there: there was some initial interest I believe showed on on behalf of Jay Wright. Uh, as of yesterday, Greg Barnes did not feel comfortable that there had been any sort of reciprocation or extension of those conversations. We're going to mention Jay Wright briefly here. I think he has the best national uh, or the best college basketball pedigree of anybody. Uh, if you just look at his accolades, um, 
two national championships that we mentioned, uh, three Final Fours. Uh, he's been the Naismith Coach of the Year twice uh, and a BC Coach of the Year once. Uh, is 59 years old, played ball at Bucknell, has been uh, an assistant in a lot of different places, uh, Rochester, Drexel, uh, Nova, like I mentioned with Raleigh Massimino, uh, UNLV, he was under Tark for a little bit. Uh, there was the head coach at Hofstra before joining Villanova's program as the head coach in 2001 and has amassed a very impressive uh, 606 wins against 271 losses at Villanova. Uh, Sheryl, I'll go on to you. Jay Wright, do, do you feel like there's e- even worth uh, mentioning here? Thoughts? W- would you like to see him in Chapel Hill? Uh, do you feel like he would be uh, a good crossover from the Big East to the ACC? So a question. So he didn't have any major head coaching, major conference head coaching experience before getting the Villanova job? Unless Hofstra was in the Big Ten and I didn't know about it. Uh, no. Would Interesting. Be the answer. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It's uh, weird, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but he would be a, a great hire for UNC as well. Um, much like Mark Few shown a propensity to, uh, as of late, recruit at the highest level. Um, beat Carolina for a player like Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who was kind of in the Royal Williams uh, wheelhouse. And if he comes back to school, will be, you know, first team preseason All-American, Easily. national player of the year type. Um, and then, you know, he's done, uh, he's done it different ways. He's had some, you know, quote unquote stars. And then he's developed guys who maybe we never heard of, uh, guys who were, um, you know, top 150, top 200, and develop them into really good players. Um, their style of play is, is not one that I particularly enjoy. <laughs> uh, but again, I'm not making the hire. Uh, it, it would be very different for Carolina fans. Um, you know, not a lot of uh, action in the post, lots of threes, very slow tempo. Uh, it's kind of the, the profile over the years. There was one year they played really, really fast. I can't remember what it was, but they played really, really fast one year. Um, so you know, it'd be a great hire. It seems like a long shot, uh, but it would be, I think it would be a great hire. And, and there's not, there's not a bunch to nitpick there either. I, I think even less so than Brad Stevens because Jay Wright has done it for so long. I mean, he's been in Villanova for almost yeah. 20 years, I think. 20, he just finished his 20th season. Okay. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. There's, um, there, there's a, a bit of head scratching going on and <clears throat> he's one of those where, again, I, I love the, the pedigree. I just don't see like I see few as more of a an option in my mind uh, than Jay Wright would be. Uh, Sean, thoughts about fit stylistically in Chapel Hill from from Jay Wright? Yeah, I mean from a stylistic point of view, you know I think Sherelle hit it. You know the the team once again, there you know wherever you slot him on on your tier you know tier list, he with two championships in those three years, he's <laughs> excuse me, he's. He's up there um, right now. You know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl would have been playing that stretch four for Carolina. He was playing the five for Villanova, so they're basically playing five out, uh, playing five out this year. Uh, very heavy, you know, three point focused. Um, yeah. I think this year they ranked in the top thirty percent or top thirty in terms of three pointers attempted. Uh, usually it's top 10, 15. so definitely different styles. Once again, a guy that can kind of based on his, you know, the players, he can kind of scheme a little bit towards towards that um but you know for for him he's he's a you know he, he makes perfect sense in Villanova perfect sense in the big east uh whereas Mark Few you could maybe make the argument hey like you know maybe he wants a, a challenge you know at, at Carolina or the or in a you know power five uh conference but Jay Wright I think is uh you know that would be more of a stretch 
All right. So we've talked about the guys that are, quote, non-family guys. And I know that uh, there's going to be some Peter Griffin jokes in there somewhere. But uh, I, I think something that is, is probably on the front of every North Carolina fan's mind is, you know, does UNC go inside the family here or do they go outside the family? And, and Sherell, you've been really eloquent in, in saying this. You did it on the mega cast. We did the, the night that Roy retired, but that the best coach may not be the best fit. And I think that's very important because I think that is giving credence to the power, the stroke and the shadow of the Carolina family and how much of that is involved with the culture of winning and vice versa. So the last two guys we're going to talk about tonight, uh, Wes Miller and Hubert Davis are both uh, Carolina basketball alums, uh, have both had, uh, you know, their, their chances to sit um, on benches. You know, one has been a head coach, one is not. I want to start with Wes Miller. And, uh, you know, Wes is younger than I am, so I'm assuming he's, he's a freaking baby. Um, Wes is 182 and 136, so he's between 550 and 600 winning percentage at UNCG. Uh, was at North Carolina from 2004 to 2007, was a member of the 05 championship team. Um, you know, he's he played a, probably two years in the pros, but uh, as I mentioned earlier, and I did miss something, guys, he was an assistant at Elon, then at High Point, High Point. and then at UNCG, and has been the head coach at UNCG for 10 years. Sherell had not been uh, a head coach at a major university before he got the job at UNCG. Interesting. Yeah. Just picking up on a, on a thread here. <laughs> okay. Um, so guys, I don't want to beat this family versus non-family thing to death, but I think it's absolutely the elephant in the room here. I don't want to speculate about, you know, how much it's going to play, you know, how much it's going to play into Bubba Cunningham, Bubba Cunningham's decision. Easy for me to say, Sean, what is your impression of Wes Miller as a coach, knowing that he's only been in the SOCON, uh, but has had a modicum of success and has gotten seemingly more consistent as he's been there. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the last five, really five years and, you know, he's had UNC Greensboro in the mix and and this is a conference, you know, maybe not as much this year where they won it, but really the last few years where you could make a strong argument that it could have been a two to three bid league where yeah. those top two or three teams are more competitive than, you know, half of the, the middle of the pack in the, in the power conferences. So, um, you know, he, I think it's been impressive for, you know, to maintain that level of consistency. Um, he's been able to get some, you know, or at least build up some very strong players. You have Isaiah Miller this year, and you can look back at the rosters and they've had a few, you know, big time players at that level. Uh, I think, you know, from a style perspective, it's been talked about on the message boards and there've been articles, but at the beginning, when he first got the job, you know, you look at the team and they're, you know, they were running up and down top 10 in tempo, but, you know, he realized it wasn't the right style for those types of players. Uh, and now you look at it and they're definitely, you know, slower tempo, but they're going to, they're going to adjust. They're going to game, you know, good, good game plan. They're going to re offensive rebound, um, you know, in terms of offensive defensive efficiency, they're kind of in, in the middle of the pack for the most part, but I think for him, it's been impressive what he's been able to do the last five years. Uh, I think 
you know, really over those years, especially more, you know, I guess ever, ever since I played Gonzaga in the tournament, you kind of said, oh, you know, is, you know, maybe a school in the A-10 or maybe, a, you know, a, another school, you know, kind of a lower tier school in the Power Five, or, you know, are they going to go after him? And obviously he stayed at UNCG, but at the same time, he always had something to come back to in terms of he knew he would have a strong team and knew yeah. he could, you know, potentially get them to that next level. Um, I, I think once again, it, it is a big jump, but you look in the, in the past and you know, it's usually a big jump to kind of get started. There, there's only so many, as I mentioned, Roy Williams are the top at their sport and now they're making that transition. Um, once again, I think the main question goes to recruiting. Um, if, if you're, you know, and once again, it's a little different now because are they going to be going after the top five, 10 guys if they're going to be going to, you know, G League or, um, you know, going, you know, and once again, I think there's also the elephant in the room that we haven't talked about is, you know, I don't, I don't even want to bring it up, but it's not like the FBI scandal didn't happen. You know, that, that did yeah. happen. And just because the head coaches of the schools involved didn't get in any trouble doesn't mean that that stuff isn't going on. So, you know, you're fighting now the G League battle versus also the teams that are willing to, you know, get a little, get dirtier. Um, so I guess where I was going with that was if he's walking into a recruit's room and he's going up against, a, you know, Cal Perry, Coach K, whoever, does he have, you know, does he get that same level of respect? Not off the bat, but he could build it up and depend on who the assistants are. But I think once again, recruiting is would be the main question of, does he have, you know, does he have that cachet right off the bat to be able to, you know, get the top 20 guys that UNC needs to stay at a high level. Sure, not not saying that he can't easily, easily build into that, but I think that's the, obviously the question. Yeah. Rail, you wanted to throw something on top of that? Yeah. But before we go deeper into West, I wanted to go back to um, the fact that we kind of have these, it seems like the five candidates and, you know, obviously they seem like they're kind of in two tiers. Mm -hmm. I think you were talking about the family shadow and, and all that good stuff. What I think um, that shows is that they, the, the powers that be at UNC, the chancellor and, and the AD, know that the family uh, ideal is important. So they want to make sure that it is respected when they are interviewing people yeah. and when they're going after people. But I also think what it shows is that um, there's a small group of people who they feel have the winning pedigree as well as the, um, <clears throat> I guess, the reputation to come in and say, yes, I respect these things. And I know that it's been built over, you know, 60, 70 years. However, um, I still want to do things in a manner in which I'm comfortable while incorporating some of these things in there. And I think what, when you see those three, you, that's kind of like, okay, those are the three who can yeah. make that claim. That's what it says to me. And then what it says to me that the other two candidates are, um, we'll call them internal candidates, even though Wes Miller isn't at UNC, um, is that they would rather have someone who believes in these ideals that the Carolina program espouses um, than someone who may, you know, be a, a good coach or an average coach, but come in and not respect them. And so that's why it seems like there's, to, to our readers, it seems like, you know, there's the best of the best. And then there's these two guys who are like, well, like what? <laughs> it seems like a, a pretty a, a pretty vast difference between the two groups. And I think that is the difference in that they don't see anyone with the upside um, in the middle um, to come in and, and just kind of give them free reign and someone who would command the respect where they could kind of fuse their 
style into the Carolina ideals and traditions. So I just wanted, I think that is important to note. I think it's important too that, uh, and, and I'm sorry to step on you. I want to kind of string this out a little bit. I think it's important too that a lot of the things that North Carolina fans love about this program is the same things that make the family unique. There are you know things about um, the tradition that Dean Smith started and has been extended by Roy Williams that folks cannot find at any other program, and other programs have tried to replicate it. <coughs> Hashtag Brotherhood. Um, and I think that that's not something to necessarily shy away from and think is a bad thing. Now, it may, if you elect to limit yourself to that lineage and that family tree, pardon the pun, then it may limit you to not getting the best coach. Because I think we can all say that, you know, the best available coaches are not uh, Roy Williams prodigies or Dean Smith prodigies right now. And I think it's important that people recognize, you know, it's it, – it's not necessarily a bad thing to have the culture that North Carolina has here because it's also, while it may handicap you if you want to keep that string alive, it's also what makes things attractive to these top-tier coaches that have really cush situations elsewhere. I hope right. that makes that, sense. Right, and that's why it's such a, a difficult decision for the chancellor and for the AD. Yeah. I mean, you know, North Carolina is a, is about winning and it's been about winning for a long time, but it's not only about winning and it's not only been about winning for a long time. So it's just trying to balance those two things. Um, you're going to, you're going to upset people no matter who you hire. I think the Absolutely. fan base will eventually rally around whoever the hire is, but if you hire, if, if everything goes wonderfully and you're able to, you know, procure Mark Few from Spokane and he comes to Chapel Hill, there's going to be a contingent of people who are like, they should have kept it in the family. You know, this isn't the Carolina I grew up with. And that's a yeah. completely understandable feeling. If they hire Wes Miller, who I guess we can go back to in a second and, you know, aren't able or, or maybe didn't, um, if they hire Wes Miller, um, yeah. you know, I think that'd be a situation where you'll say, where some people say, well, why didn't they go for any number of other coaches in tier two? Their, their goal isn't to win. And that's a completely understandable position because, you know, you want to win. That's the whole reason people play sports. You want to win. Uh, so it's just tough. You're trying to balance those two things. And that's what uh, the AD and, and that's what the chancellor are doing right now. Um, as far as Wes, you know, I think what makes him so attractive to Carolina fans is that he is 37 years old, 38 years old. And so the kind of the feeling is like, you know, you had those 30 years with Coach Smith and then you had yeah. 18 years with Roy Williams. It's like, if Wes is just, you know, if Wes can be a good coach, don't have to worry about this for another 25, 30 years, because <laughs> he's not going to take another job unless something goes horribly, horribly wrong. Um, so you kind of, you, it's the hope that he is the next in line that he's kind of the chosen one. I think that's what uh, makes so many Carolina fans gravitate towards him. And then, like you said, you're going to laugh at me when I say connective tissue again, but uh, the connective tissue between Coach I love Smith. that line there, man. I'm sorry. I, w I know I was clowning you the other night on the, uh, on, on the Slack group, but uh, that's such a great visual if people uh, can't really grab that. But go ahead. Yeah, between Coach Smith and uh, Roy and, you know, then in, into Wes. And um, the idea that Carolina basketball, while tweaked and, and somewhat different and having incorporated Wes Wes Miller's ideas will still kind of be Carolina basketball is an attractive thing to a lot of people. But I also get why people would say, well, he's, you know, he's the UNCG coach. He hasn't won anything of consequence. He hasn't, uh, you know, beaten a, a really great team. You know, he hasn't advanced deep into the NCAA tournament. I get all those criticisms. I understand them. But I, I, again, it's, it's that balance between 
understanding the family and winning and trying to, to parse the two. I think that is so difficult. Um, and, and Wes is just kind of one of those guys who's right there on the line. Like if he had another three years at UNCG where he won mm-hmm. 30 or something games, I think everybody would be fine with it. Um, but the fact that, you know, of his 10 years, five have been great, five have been okay or bad, yeah. that throws things in the air. And he's an unknown, at, you know, at the ACC level. So I think that's part of it. It's uh, it's weird, man. I mean, you would want to say that if the Wes Miller hire goes right, then he has a, a higher ceiling because of right. his age. I don't think the ceiling is higher because I think a national champion, a national championship is is potential if, if you get fewer Stevens or Wright or any of those guys. But I think maybe the room is bigger and a high ceiling. You got like cathedral ceiling and it's, it's just a wider ceiling too, because Wes is so young. I'm terrible with these, uh, these architectural, you know, analogies, but I'm doing what I can. All right. Any, anything else you guys want to throw in about, uh, about Wes Miller before we hit our last, uh, our last candidate? No. All right. Hearing none. We will, uh, we head to the last, last candidate, which depending on who you talk to, there are a lot of folks that feel that Hubert Davis was brought in to North Carolina to succeed Roy Williams. And I don't know, uh, I, I have never heard that from anybody that knows, um, you know, Sherelle, do you, do you feel like that's just uh, a colloquial understanding or do you feel like that's actually what the plan was? Um, I'm sorry. I was testing, um, testing him on my phone. I apologize. Live radio. Okay. I said it again. Tell me what you're thinking. Sorry. I, uh, sorry. I was, I was bringing up Hubert Davis and <laughs> there were some folks who had the thought that he was brought in from ESPN Okay. To, to succeed Roy Williams whenever Roy left. Have you ever heard that from anybody inside the program, or do you feel like it's just uh, a nice story? First off, I'm so sorry. I feel, like, right, I in a, I feel like I was in a, in a Zoom call at work. and It's not like we don't have things me. going on right now. It's, it's I feel like I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I was just in another meeting. No, um, I, think, I don't think that's ever been expressed anywhere by anyone um, who would know. Um, you know, publicly or privately, you know, that could be the plan and they just haven't said anything. Um, But, you know, it kind of does make a lot of sense. I think um, because when, when he was hired, you know, we were looking around and we were naming people. We thought this person made sense. And this person made sense. We had a list of about five guys who we thought really made sense. And here at Davis was not on the list at all. Like it was a a pretty big surprise when we found out that he was hired. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, Roy, at that point, he, I don't think he was close to retirement, but I think he wanted to start thinking about it. And so maybe there's a situation where he says, you know, Hubert is, has a chance, you know, he has a chance to be great if he does X, Y, and Z. So maybe it was something like that, that he saw his, what people talk about, his, his honesty, um, how nice of a person he is, that he, the fact that he played for Coach Smith, the fact that, you know, he wasn't a, a five-star recruit coming out of high school that kind of grinded his way into being a really, really good player and someone who made a lot of money in the NBA. So maybe he saw those qualities and said, hmm, there, there's something that can be molded there because uh, I, I really like Hebrew. But as far as like, I'm hiring this person so that whenever it's time for me to retire, you know, he can take over. I don't know that, that I've just never heard that expressed by anyone on or off the record. Uh, but, it could, but it could be something, you know, that was kind of, you know, subconscious, like I said, um, that he saw all the qualities in Hubert Davis that maybe he saw himself or he saw in a great head coach. Mm. Well, I appreciate you uh, kind of shooting that down and taking that out of the assumption here. Guys, I want to, again, issue a retraction earlier. I think we said uh, Hubert played for the the Knicks and uh, Sean said that he wrapped his career at the Wizards. Man, I missed that one too. 
92 to 96 with the New York Knicks, 96 and seven with the Raptors, 97, 2001 with the Mavs, where he actually led uh, the league in, uh, in three point percentage. Um, you were uh, in college, so you weren't, you weren't thinking about much. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, did have that t- 2001, 2002 year with the, with the Wizards, which is also a, a Jordan year, um, two years with the Pistons and then wrapped his career with the Nets. And I don't even know if he played a game for the Nets. Yeah, he did. He appeared in 14 games for the Nets. Um, but did play North Carolina from uh, 88 to 92, was a first-round pick, 20th overall, selected by the New York Knicks. So he's been, again, aside from being a talking head on ESPN College Game Day, he's only been an assistant in North Carolina, and he came in 2012. Uh, so, Sherelle, I want to start with you, and, and I want you to kind of lay out what was his job as an assistant at North Carolina uh, and what has his job been up until now as an assistant? Yeah, I, I know the, the the staff has always split up the scout on different teams, but how involved has he been in recruiting? Like, what what has his typical role been as an assistant? Um. So yeah, they all they split up the scout. So he, you know, he handles that. You know, kind of on a rotation. Um, of course, he was the head coach of the JV team for uh, a couple few years. I'm not sure if it was two or three years. So he had that responsibility. Um, and then, of course, you know, if you're an assistant, you have to recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, it's been a mixed bag, I think, to be honest with him, as far as it comes to recruiting. Um, you know, at North Carolina, you know, we say this all the time, Roy Williams kind of ran the show. So you you don't have a 100% feel for exactly the type of recruiter that an assistant might be um, because, you know, Roy Williams was the only one who handed out offers. There's one time uh, that Roy Williams didn't hand out an offer and that was for a long-term relationship that Steve Robinson had with a player who's now at Kansas. Uh, So, you know, he did what was asked of him, I think. Um, And he really connects with guys. I think once they get on campus, I think that's where his strong suit is. Um, Once guys get on campus with, mentoring and, and being there for them um, and um, just being someone to talk to kind of being, uh, you know, a, a counselor almost um, to these players. And then, you know, obviously he's a shooter. So I think um, he works with, with guys some on, on that aspect, works with the guards and everything. So that's the kind of stuff I know is as far as the, the gritty day to day, like in practice, I'm not a hundred percent sure, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not in practice. Um, but I think that is kind of, um, him in a nutshell. And, and to a T though, every single person you ask just talks about the, the niceness, the grace in which he does pretty much everything. Um, and I think that probably counts for something. Um, but, you know, I, I think the, to Sean's point, the recruiting uh, will be something that would, you know, were he to, to be the hire would be something that definitely um, would require attention and, and something um, that we'd, we'd have to look at because it's, it's just a, such a huge unknown. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things when you start looking at, you know, pluses and minuses of each guy. One of the huge advantages for folks that want to see North Carolina continue on the trajectory that they've been on uh, is that Hubert has been beside Roy Williams uh, and was there for, for nine seasons. But by the same token, knowing how Roy runs, ran the program, that's still weird to say from runs to ran, uh, knowing how Roy ran the program, like Sherelle said, he didn't get a lot of leeway to actually do things to lead the program aside from his work with the JV squad. Uh, and, you know, for this isn't me throwing the guy under the bus, but for a guy that's supposed to be such an uh, integral shooter and ha- was known for being a good shooter at UNC and in the league, 
Um, UNC has not shot the ball well in, in the very recent, uh, very recent past, and I think that's something to. It's not necessarily Hubert's fault, but I do think you know it's 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 something that's going to come up in conversation. Sean, what are your thoughts on Hubert Davis as a potential replacement for Roy Williams, and and where you might see um, some strengths uh, or or some weaknesses? Well, I think you know Sorrell hit it on the head. Is nobody really has a feel for. How, you know, what he's going to bring to the table. Um, because once again, at Carolina as an assistant, I think when he got hired, everybody was kind of hoping, you know, you're going to see all these stories of how Hubert, what you just talked about, you know, in practices, how so-and-so went from a 20% free, you know, three-point shooter to a 40, you know, 40%, just completely fixing their shot or something to that extent. Or, you know, Hubert being talked about as one of the, you know, top names in the game. Um, et cetera. But that's not necessarily his fault by any means. I mean, he, he did what he had to do. Um, I think going back to hit, you know, he, he played in the NBA. He was one of the top shooters to ever play in the NBA. He played under Pat Riley. Um, he, you know, was able to analyze the college game as being able to learn from, from coach Williams, um, you know, recruiting. I think, you know, there's a, a comment in an article I, I was reading where, you know, he's such a straight shooter and an honest guy is that he was like, why, you know, why are these coaches or parents lying to me initially? And, you know, hopefully after nine years, he kind of better understands, you know, the cutthroat <laughs> world of college hoops. Um, you know, I think with him and Wes, the big question is who's on his staff. Um, I think that would be extremely important, um, whether that's from a, a recruiting standpoint or, or also a coaching standpoint. You know, I, I went back uh, as, as we were doing this to an article we did uh, on Cole Anthony. At the time, nobody really had any information on Cole Anthony, was able to chat with his dad. And, you know, he just couldn't stop talk, you know, stop talking about Keeper Davis, you know, really more about his work, e work ethic, mm -hmm. uh, kind of talking. Everybody knows he was a shooter, but, you know, all the time he put into watching film and improving his other areas. So, you don't get to that level without having, you know, a strong work ethic. Um, but once again, you know, there's the comment in the scoop of he would make some, you know, tweaks stylistically, but once again, is he get, does he want to play up tempo, you know, up tempo, you know, four out one in there, there's really no, no answer. Obviously there's the, the JV and uh, coach Hass and CB did, did that as well. But um, you know, it is a big question mark, uh, but once again, he, he has the NBA, pedigree uh it seems like he has really you know bonded well with the the players once they're in chapel hill but um you know it it, it there's a lot of there's a lot of good and there's a lot of more just the feel the question marks but once again with this there is going to be a question mark with everybody and i think you know it's not going to be answered in that first year but really in those two to three years how are things how are things trending I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the relationship side of things. Um, you know, one of Hubert's always one of those that gets a lot of praise from guys in their senior speeches since he's been a part of the program. Sherell, you want to add something to that? Yeah, I would just say I think with with Hubert Davis and with Wes Miller, the unknown is scary, and I think people typically look at the unknown as a negative, but I think you can also look at the unknown as a positive. And uh, to me, you know, folks have been right or wrong clamoring for, you know, a, a more quote unquote modern approach when it comes to UNC basketball, right? And 
they assume that if Hubert Davis is hired or if Wes Miller is hired, that it'll be Roy Williams 2.0, um, that it'll be, uh, you know, the same sets and the same style and, you know, the same everything. There will be a lot of similarities, 100%, because that's who they learned under. But I think every great coach takes things from their mentor, adds to it, uh, puts their own kind of personal stamp on it and keeps things moving forward. So I, I think that's what um, you would hope for from, you know, whether it's Wes Miller or, or Hebert Davis, if it's not one of those first three, um, because you know, there are changes that need to be made at Carolina. Let's, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat that and make it seem like, you know, everything was great. I don't think we're, if everything was great, Roy Williams wouldn't have retired. Um, so there are things that need to be improved and upgraded and changed um, and tweaked. Um, but I think what those two offer is still um, at the center, you know, not to be like a corporate thing, but in the DNA, it's still North Carolina basketball. It might be slightly different, um, but it's still North Carolina basketball. I think that's what um, those two bring. Yes, unknown, but the unknown can be positive too. I mean, it could be a situation where Hubert Davis has all these ideas and because it, it was Williams system, he mm -hmm. didn't want to impose that because he knows that Rollins was very successful, you know, winning 75, 76% of his games, playing that style, playing a system, doing things his way. So why would you try to, you know, change that, you know, kind of in the, the back nine of, of Roy's, you know, of his career. Um, so maybe he comes out if, if he is the hire and has, you know, uh, just a ton of ideas and is innovative and trying new things and switching things up. We, we just don't know. But again, I, I think the natural inclination is to look at the unknown as negative. And I don't know if that's necessarily the, the thing to do here. You, you have to look at it both sides. If, if it's an unknown, you have to say, well, it could be really good over here or it could be awful over here. And then kind of figure out your, your um, where you stand from there. I do think, and I mentioned earlier the, that North Carolina fans had, probably still some some deep wounds and some some burn marks from the Doherty fiasco uh, that happened here. And I think that the beauty about the Doherty fiasco is I don't see anyone at UNC making those same mistakes. I think the likelihood of that is less likely with the two family hires that are being considered right now in West Miller and Hubert Davis. I don't mean that they will automatically be successful and they will not have some heartburn and some road bumps or some road bumps, some bumps in the road like Doherty did. But I don't think you would have to worry about kind of some ego-driven things or some situations where they come in and, and make the same mistakes that have already been made by a predecessor. I think there is enough learned institutionally that would prevent those guys from, from making those missteps. Um, boys, I'm going to go ahead and ask this, too, about, uh, about Hubert Davis. Is he too nice? You know, I mean, Tommy and I talked about briefly on, on the air yesterday, and knowing how the game is changing. Uh, yeah, maybe college basketball is getting more into the CEO role like you see with college football. I mean, you don't only have to look across campus to the Keenan Football Center and see where Mac Brown is more of a CEO and he has his coordinators who are actually doing the implementation, position coaches who are actually doing the install. Do you see that happening more in college game where a guy like Hubert, who some of the knock on him is that he is too nice, uh, could that work and have Hubert in a CEO role and then potentially have, you know, some really, really good, like, like uh, Michigan does with Phil Martelli. Uh, that's not to say Jawan Howard isn't calling plays, but Phil Martelli as a, as the old consigliere sage type to, to help kind of keep things rolling and give that, that ear when he needs it. I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing a lot of things out right here, but I want to, I want to kind of 
uh, get you guys to speak on that part too. Cause you know, I've, I've heard Hubert may be too nice uh, from some folks who are, who are criticizing it. I've also heard, you know, that since he hasn't been the head coach, could he be put in a position to succeed by having, you know, someone else that's been around to be that consigliere. So Sean, I'll go to you first on that. There's a lot to, a lot, lot to digest there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's been a, a criticism, but I, I don't think, does it hold weight? Sure. But at the same time, I mean, the guy played for Pat Riley, he, he played back in the, in the nineties when, you know, if you were too nice, there's no way you're, you're, you're playing in that, in that era. Um, so, you know, I think the main thing, does he have one, the competitive streak, I think, obviously. Um, and, and then really, once again, it, it's going to come also down to if it's a Hubert or West, who else is on their staff, you know, who, who's going to be, um, you know, that guy that has the attention to detail on the scouts, who's going to have the attention to detail on the recruits, because I think, you know, really the, the era we're entering in now with the transfer portal, um, the G League recruits, it, the, the college game is, is, is rapidly changing. Um, I mean, right now you have guys that they're not on the NBA radar and they're going to go pro after two years and they can start collecting the 35 K from the G league, which normally they'd be staying three to four years. Um, so I think, you know, really it's how quickly can um, this, this staff adapt. Um, and I think that all comes down to who's going to be on it. So I think once again, there's going to be risk with every, you know, even, even the proven guys in terms of their transition to Chapel Hill, obviously, obviously they've, they've done it and their names carry uh, more weight right now, but that's not to say that a Hebert or West couldn't carry that in the, in the future. Um, and to Shrell's point, there's always, there's going to be some group that isn't happy with, <laughs> with what happens. Um, but I think, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a fascinating week. Um, there's no perfect fit, but at the same time, I think just because there isn't that proven resume doesn't mean that, it can't work out. A lot of, a lot of new potential uh, and, and possibilities on the horizon. Shrell, I'll let you have the last word. Any, any thoughts about all that, that big uh, gumbo I threw at Sean just now? <laughs> um, I think, <clears throat> so I don't think I don't, the CEO thing I, I'm iffy about just because basketball is so much more um, kind of in the moment. Like if you're a CEO, yeah, you make the final calls, but I mean, you know, we're talking four seconds left in the game, you have to drop a play. You can't really like get consensus from your staff on, you know, what you want to happen. So I, I go back and forth on, on the CEO thing. Um, I do think like Sean said that the staff is just, just so, so important. And I think um, not only, you know, just kind of quote unquote rock star staff, I don't think it needs to be that. I think cohesiveness and attention to detail is just as important as profile. Um, so I, I, try to keep that in the back of my mind because you know some people when it comes to assistance some people just have certain skills that others don't and it, it might be someone who's not well known it might not be someone who was a head coach you know before but they might do something really 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 well um so i i, I try to keep that in the back of my mind when it comes to um staffs especially uh with hubert davis and um you know again again with him and wes it, it's just going to come down to uh, their staff, um, how they kind of couch um, 
what they want to do and their style of play. And then just going out and getting on the recruiting trail and seeing what happens. Uh, Sean said college basketball has changed and, and, and it really has. And that's one of the reasons that we're even having this conversation about a new uh, head coach at, at North Carolina, Who, whoever it is though. Um, I think from the list that we have the five right now, I think you can be sure that they will live up to some of the ideals, um, both on the court and off the court in North Carolina, as always espoused. Um, so I, I don't think that is the worry. Um, I think that's why one of the reasons the list looks the way it does from there. Um, yeah, I'm just curious to see what happens. And, you know, for, uh, I guess on a personal note for us, it's going to be very, very different, man. Very, very different because, you know, you kind of know how to, you kind of know how to attack whether or not, you know, Carolina is serious about a player under Roy Williams. There are, you know, five or six signs and steps that you have to go through under Roy Williams to get an offer. And then once you get an offer, you know, if he calls within this amount of time or if he does this, we know, you know, we have a flow chart. We know exactly where to go. <laughs> uh, so with the new coach, you know, it's going to be different. You know, it's going to be um, just going to be very different. So I, I just am, again, I don't want to say excited because it is, um, a strange time when it comes to UNC basketball, but there's it, anxiety there, but you can be yeah, excited with anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Just to see what happens and mm -hmm. see how our day-to-day -day changes as far as covering UNC and covering, um, UNC recruiting. But, uh, yeah, I think by the next time, just my opinion, throwing it out there, I think by the next time we record one, we'll be talking about a new coach. So, we'll Oh, I, I assume so. I assume yeah. we're going to have to throw one of these up too, because it's going to change the recruiting landscape. And I'm going to hold you to showing that flow chart at some point down the road. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to share that with our, our listeners and our viewers to see what the, the old Roy Williams recruiting philosophy was like. Cause I know that that'd be pretty, that'd be pretty interesting for a lot of folks, but um, well, yeah, I, agree I mean, I was, I was on that. Not, I was on that flowchart the night before watching full game tape of Jonas I do and and the, whatever the game I chose it was not a, a great game for him um and I was like all right I'll watch another game before you know before work begins and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, can put, you know, put that on, on pause Remember right when now. Jonas I do was the news. Yeah, well, yeah. Remember that? That was that was that was a fun 5 days ago. Um <laughs> Boys, I appreciate it. As always, I think you guys bring a lot to the table. Any other, you know, I always call it Sean's two pennies. Any other last uh, last nuggets you want to drop before we sign off for tonight? Trail. Oh. Ba Baylor four and a half is a trap. It feels like <laughs> it. It, it yeah. feels very, very trappy. It's it um, a trap, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to are gonna think, oh, see, Gonzaga finally had a close game. That ain't how this works. Mm -hmm. uh, Sean, anything you want to add before we, before we wrap uh, up? I here? guess the, the two – yeah, two, the two thought one. It's, I'm going to be interested to watch how Davion Mitchell um, is in that game because I think he he could be, uh, you know, how he's guarding. I think will be interesting. Uh, they go as he goes very often. I, I agree with you there. From a UNC perspective, um, you know, Roy. You know, obviously Roy Williams was one of the biggest names in the industry, but I think. You know, I, for me, I think 2009 was the first time I, I saw it was when I started really going to a lot of events. I was the city of Palms and, you know, I remember him walking in and, you know, everybody in the gym, just their, their heads turned. And, you know, then it was probably 2012 where I really started doing more of the summer, the summer circuit. And whether it was a high school game or, or the live periods, you know, he was the biggest, you know, bigger than Calipari, I think bigger than Coach K when he walked in the gym and even, you know, during some of those times you have CBS coming out with the polls of, you know, top 20 coaches or top 20 recruits. And he's, mm -hmm. you know, they're not listing the coaches themselves aren't listing Roy on either of them, but 
he would walk in a gym and everybody either wants to chat with him or they're, they're watching him as he's walking by. And he was, you know, in, in my opinion, I thought he was the biggest rock star you would have on the live recruiting, you know, any recruiting event. Um, and, uh, you know, just sad to see him go, but it was a fun, definitely a fun 18 years and three championships that we got to see. Yeah, I, I could see where that would be missing. I, the good news is Sherelle's still here, so you'll still get that rock star pop <laughs> whenever he enters a gym nowadays. I mean, I, I can't wait till we get back to live events and he can go back to, to Peach Jam and have people stand up and giving him standing over the way whatever. they did uh, three years ago. <laughs> no, I was going to say, Sean, and Sean makes a great point, man. It, it is it is kind of, you know, like a rock star, you know, just retiring. Like, I, I remember any number of high school games and you know maybe this says a lot about Roy Williams how to Sean's point everybody would want to see him so mm-hmm. you know you're you're watching the game whatever high school player it was I, I remember the first time I saw Leaky Black play um, a small little gym <laughs> in Concord or sorry in Harrisburg at Hickory Ridge small little gym and uh, Roy Williams is sitting you know sitting in the corner and at halftime you know just like half the stadium runs over to where Roy Williams is and Instead of like, oh, I'm going to the bathroom, he sat there and like took a picture with every single person who was waiting in line. They delayed the second half because there wow. were so many people waiting for him uh, to, to take a picture with him. And he just waited until they were all there. Now, at the end of the game, he went ahead and got out of there. But sure. at, at, at halftime, he just, you know, I, and I think that says a lot about him uh, to Sean's point. Like he was like the, the rock star, you know, of, of the last to me, like the last 20 years in college basketball. And, well, I, and that just wasn't North Carolina. I remember being at a, well, these two names will, will bring it, you know, Ty, it was a Tyus Jones versus a, my guy Rashad Vaughn game at Target you, Center. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just Corey Alexander us? <laughs> my guy. You just, you just my guy, Rashad Vaughn? <laughs> All right, go ahead. I did. I did. Um, but yeah, I mean, Target Center, he, Roy Williams walks in with Hubert. And I mean, this is, you know, Minnesota. And once again, halftime, everybody is lined up waiting to get to Roy Williams during that one. Um, so it was always a sight to see when he did, did appear at whatever high school gym or, or AAU game. It's probably going to be like that on golf courses around, uh, around the country now <laughs> for the next little while, but guys, I appreciate it. Or craps tables. Or craps tables yeah. at the casino. Yeah. Well, especially since they're opening up new casinos in West North Carolina, man, that's going to be whew, <laughs> belly up, belly up to the dice game. Um, Guys, I appreciate it. As always, you guys are great about making time for these, uh, bringing your A games, even in a tumultuous week like this where you see an icon walk away from the game. And, and I'm with Sherelle, it's going to be so weird as we start getting into whoever the new hire is and and finding, you know, learning new nuance about how they coach and how they recruit and how they run a program. Because, you know, I've learned a lot from y'all in the last year. I, I got to set all that on fire. We got to start over again. So, <laughs> We'll at least have a, we'll at least have each other to do that, but I appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for listening and watching. Make sure you take a second to stop rate and review us five stars. If you feel it, if you don't like it, let us know, please. Uh, we're, we're all churning out content right now. We want to make sure what we're doing is good. And if you want more news about the UNC coaching search and who's going to replace Roy Williams, stay locked into inside Carolina.com. We will have the news as it breaks. We'll probably have some insight as we can get it. And as our writers can confirm it, Just make sure you're watching IC to get your info. But for tonight, for Sherelle McMillan, for Sean Moran, I'm Joey Powell. This has been the Coast to Coast Podcast on InsideCarolina.com. We will talk at you soon. Late. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? 
This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. What it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.